0: Welcome to Little Minds, Big Thinkers. I'm your host, Tammy McMorrow. This is a podcast where we celebrate the magic and messiness of the elementary thinking classroom based on the work of your favorite of mine, Peter Lilliadal. In each episode, we'll hear and learn from those who are in the elementary trenches doing this important work. My hope is that this podcast offers you a front row seat to help building thinking classrooms by Peter Lilliadal is liberating our youngest mathematicians to think all over the world. In this episode, I get to talk to Sasha Wise, an upper elementary teacher from Canada. I have such respect for my Canadian math friends. They really have something good going on up there. And I think as you listen to Sasha, that you'll see what I mean. So sit back and enjoy my conversation with Sasha Wise. Welcome, Sasha. Thanks for letting me rope you into talking with me today.
1: Yeah, well, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. So Uh, nice to be chatting with you.
0: Yeah, and I know we've never like met face to face, but I feel like I know you already because we've been online together in so many different spaces. So, Yeah. yeah, so I'm excited that, you know, we get to talk specifically, though. About you know thinking classrooms,
1: absolutely. One, both of our favorite things in life. Right?
0: Yes, exactly. And one of the things that I really appreciate about about you is that I mentioned we're in some spaces together. Is that I can tell that you're in charge of your own professional development, and that's been one of the things that I've been. Uh, Saying for years, like, I am in charge of my own professional development. I'm not waiting for my school or my district or my state to say, Hey, you need to learn this thing. I'm just out there doing it on my own. And I know that about you because you always have a pile of books and you're always listening to pod- podcasts <laughs> and you're part of these math groups like Karina's and Laura's. Like, you're in charge of your professional development. So, I I just really love that about you.
1: Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I appreciate that about you as well.
0: So let's get going on this conversation. Uh, go ahead and just tell us about yourself.
1: Um. Well, I'm a Vancouverite. Uh, that means I live in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, I born and raised here and... Uh, I think one of the questions was, uh, you know, where have I come from and where am I going? Uh, so I gr- grew up kind of being outdoors and in, in the forest and everything like that. And uh, went, eventually went to school to become a registered nurse mm. and did nursing for a while. And uh, combined my love with uh, working as a nurse and then going traveling a lot and then I uh, was interested in education to a certain degree. So I ended up becoming a special education assistant Okay. for a bit of time. And I worked at, um, in a place called Sunny Hill for a number of years uh, for both as a nurse and a special education assistant, or actually as a nurse there specifically. But yeah, I worked as a special education assistant as well. So I have a little bit of background in special ed from a nursing perspective, and then I hurt my back. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ended up being re-educated as a teacher. Mm -hmm. And uh, my very first job was kindergarten. (laughs) And I totally identified myself as a kindergarten teacher. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I thought that was my whole life. (laughs) It was going to be, I was going to grow up. (laughs) My whole entire career was going to be a kindergarten teacher. And then I had to find another job. And I became a resource teacher, so a uh, learning assistant teacher and uh, English language teacher. And eventually I went back in the classroom, uh, teaching primary, grade one, two for the longest time. And just that was that sort of my education career. Um, and then I decided after 12 years or so, uh, uh, I had already worked. 17 years, I guess, as a teacher, but 12 years in one particular school. And I um, was teaching grade two, three, and three, four, all of these different combined classes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then after five years, I changed to a school closer to where I live. So um, now I'm teaching intermediate, what would be considered, I guess, middle school. And uh, it's been eye-opening and everything, and uh, it's always been a challenge. So I'm always up for a challenge. There's lots of things I've had to learn over the, the years, being a kindergarten teacher, mm-hmm. being a special educator, <laughs> to be an English language teacher, uh, going back and being in the classroom, grade one, two, how do you teach grade one, two? And as you go up, it's just one of those things where you're always, always something new and everything um, to learn. Mm-hmm. And uh, use the tools that you have previously, but uh, in the end, um, yeah, just always, always proactive in in educating myself. And I guess um the kind of teacher I've been in the past is and the present is that um it's been really important that I have a community of learners. Um, the community has been a really, really important. Um, part of my pedagogy, okay. and that the students themselves are at the center of their own learning. So um, BTC, when it came along for me, it was sort of a natural exciting fit, right of taking what I already had and making it even better. <laughs> and it made more sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's a little bit about yeah being a being a nurse eventually transitioning from nursing to being an educator and um and here I am now teaching intermediate so,
0: so are you like in i've heard you talk about 5th grade 6th
1: grade is that kind of where you're um uh... yeah i'm teaching grade 5 6 right now okay. yeah okay but last year was grade 4 5 and i looped with that group uh-huh. from grade 3 4 to 4 5 so um most of the kids I was able to loop with so that was really exciting so I got to do BTC with them you know twice
0: wow yeah you have worn a lot of hats I didn't know all that about you that's really interesting um I mean for me I've been 30 years (laughs) in first grade um I like like to say I'm really loyal um (laughs) or there's some people might say I don't like change but I mean, I do like change in a lot of ways because I'm like you, I'm always pushing myself to extend my practice and no more and, and all of that. But as far as grade levels, I'm pretty consistent and you've, you've just been on quite a journey and worn lots of hats and I can see that I'm sure there are lots of benefits to that. So what has been most magical about having a thinking classroom?
1: Having the Thinking Classroom gives me more, um, it kind of leverage helps me a bit, leveraging sort of what I want from them, what I want my students to see themselves as agents in their own learning. And before, it's like I had this idea of, huh, this is what I'm hoping they're going to I'm a facilitator, I'm a mediator, I'm a, you know, what do you want me to do to help you to be the best learner you can be in any area that you are wanting to learn in any area, because I'm teaching all the areas, right. And so now it's and when I talk about BTC, I don't talk about just mathematics, because I do teach everything. And I think that's an advantage, because I can leverage it in gym right? I'm in gym and I can do BTC kind of things, right? You know, I'm constantly randomizing them. I think that's uh, last year specifically, they were like, are you randomizing our desk today again? (laughs) You know, and like, they're asking for it. They were asking for it. Oh, yeah, we got to randomize for this and and that. And and I give them a choice who they want to work with, you know, in bigger projects or say, you know, is this your topic area that you're interested in? Um, but they really, really loved the randomization. And what's magical about that is the children who are quite shy. And I had quite a few shy children specifically last year or kids who were, you know, I only have one friend. Um, and then the end, they were like, when I was asking them where they want to be, you know, next year's group, I wasn't going to be with them. So I can't really, I just had to ask as many interview questions I could get from them. Who, who are your friends? And they would say, well, "I'm friends with this person, this person." No, I'm friends with everybody. <laughs> I got to know everybody now. I can be with anybody in the class, and I'm like, "Wow!" And so I would say that was that was magical. That was magical that they felt comfortable enough to be randomized and be willing to work with anybody, and be willing to work with anybody. And, you know, sometimes the long projects are whatever a little bit, like they get a little bit wiggly and and kind of question whether or not that was a good choice. But isn't that life like experience, right? Navigating through what they're going to experience when they're adults and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, I think that was one of the magical things that happened and, you know, standing up and I always had couches and uh, alternative seating in my classroom and always changing. I like desks and it, there's been conversations online about, you know, what's the best, you know, having tables or desks. And I'm like, desks, they're so like, you can make them any configuration. (laughs) And, and you can push them to the side and not have desks at all and just have them. I have my kids on the most part lying around, Mm -hmm. um, standing up, depending on what we're doing. We we have lots of digital devices as well. So we do a lot of different kinds of activities in different places. So I think that's one of the other things uh, we were doing pancakes versus waffles the second day before uh, the winter break. And, you know, I just, a couple kids found some chairs. I'm like, Nope, this is a thinking classroom. You need to be standing up. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to contribute to, you know, uh, contribute to the, uh, the argument here composing the argument. So uh, anyway, Yeah, I think it's been magical that way. You know, the randomization frequently, always, Mm -hmm. throughout the day, Um, and then having the vertical spaces for all areas of learning, and um, and then knowing that tasks being really, um, I know it's not specifically to B.T.C., but just saying you know low floor, high ceiling, and uh, parallel and extension hints and extensions and that sort of thing, and the teacher. Being decentralized from it to you know not being the center, and that the students are are helping each other, the knowledge mobility. I think all those little things are the things that I've kind of been working on, but I didn't have the language to to communicate it. Yeah, yeah. And Peter, so gave,
0: Peter gave us the bridge to get to the other side. I like
1: to say, yeah, I think so, and it it just makes it all really makes sense, and it makes it. mean it's not saying that it hasn't been um you know you have to take a leap a leap of faith you know as much as you know my pedagogy was probably closer than some maybe some other teachers um it still requires you to jump in with full excitement and 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 being okay to make mistakes yeah
0: one of the books I'm reading right now is called Hidden Potential by Adam Grant. And he's making the point, I'm still kind of at the beginning, but he's making the point that we need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And that one of the best ways to accelerate our growth is to like embrace discomfort. It's so hard, but it's important. And I think for those of us who have already taken the leap into BTC, we had to do just that. We had to embrace the discomfort of like, I don't know all the answers. I don't know how this is exactly going to look. Um, I don't know maybe what I'm even gonna do the next day, but for today I'm jumping in and it might be messy, which leads me to my next question. Messy isn't bad. It can be productive. It certainly, I think, for most people who aren't new to the thinking classroom would walk in and think this is a little messy, but um, what has been most messy for you? And you can, you can talk about like protective messy or maybe some even the more uncomfortable, messy parts. You know, it's
1: funny because I am, because I am willing to take risks. Um, like I remember like Some people are like, well, what happens if it the the task isn't finished within the time period? And I mean, people aren't pacing guides. Grant you that. Right. Totally. They are under a pressure cooker to get things done. Um, but I'm like, well, let's just do, do it the next day or OK. That totally didn't work. I felt like, you know, maybe frustrated going why don't they get it and then I go home I sleep on it they go instead of throwing away I go well let's just okay I think of something that's going to be helpful and maybe consolidate it a bit and and then we do it again like you know and and that I don't know I don't even consider that messy I just think that's part of like that's teaching No, it's, it's such an interesting thing because each one, and I know you're asking the question, you know, to to kind of get insight of how each of us understand what messy is. And by expecting it to be a certain way, then it's going to feel messy. But if I'm not tired and I don't have preconceived notions of how it's going to turn out, I'm more relaxed about it. Right. And and I'm, I don't mind chaos. It's just the part that I end up getting my bee in the bonnet is when students aren't really that respectful to each other. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, that happened today. and that, and that happened to you today. <laughs> yeah. And that's nothing. That's just normal teaching stuff, right? That has nothing to do with BTC or anything. And the thing is, and will BTC fix that sort of thing? No, it's just because we, they're tired they're getting, you know, they're learning, they're, um, maybe somebody said something that just really just made them act the way they did or whatever. So those are just normal behaviors and everything. But, but depending if I happen to have sleep or my expectation or time crunch, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't really have time crunches. And, um, if I haven't done it before, I certainly don't have any expectations um so yeah i think those are things that really affect whether or not um if i see perceive things as messy right um but on the most part like i don't mind unstructured activities mm-hmm. or unstructured ways of doing things right um the more like more i hear of like them buzzing and and talking and and movement and that sort of thing the more excited I get. Um, so BTC is one of those things where it's really great because the kids who are really um, who are shy, who are uncertain, you may have low um, low self esteem. Um, they don't really, they haven't really figured out who they are as a learner. Um, maybe they have a different learning, a way of uh, communicating. Um, you know, maybe it's hard for them to write maybe it's hard for them to express their ideas but they have other people with them that they can bounce ideas off of or somebody else could write for them or so many things that they could enter where they can enter and show their knowledge right show their their capacity so uh i think that's one of the reasons why btc is really exciting is because you know allows it allows all the kids in the classroom to um, shine and they're not going to shine every single task. We know that. And, and, you know, to, to, for, for us to think like, well, you know, so-and-so is going to be successful this task or whatever, you know, because we provided them a vertical board and, you know, they're randomized with people and that sort of thing, you know, it's, I mean, it takes, it might be the task that makes them feel, That they can contribute or maybe the task does not uh entice them to participate and that's okay
0: i also think sometimes just the the groupings just didn't work that day and yeah it wasn't it wasn't the task like the task was great but just the groupings didn't quite jive and that's so like you said that's all right that is okay i just like to think about the the trajectory if the trajectory is going up, that's, that's what learning is, right? It's going up and it's going, yeah. up, but the upward trend is what we're looking towards. So yeah, it doesn't have to, be, it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be what it is.
1: And just, and I think that's, I think maybe it's when you ask about messy, I think maybe it's communicating to the kids that learning is messy. Yeah. Right. And that, I mean, you know, we have to, some of us have to train our kids to understand what does learning mean? What does it look like? If yeah. they're used to worksheets and getting a number at the top that they don't understand what it means, like they still don't know that's a percentage or a fraction, <laughs> despite the fact that they've been getting it for like the last five or six years, um, you know, and, and training, that's, that's one aspect of learning? Is it good learning? You know, we can question that, right? Is it critical thinking? You know, we can question that. But in the end, we're providing a messy opportunity to learn and help them understand how they learn best um, and how they can use that learning from previous times into a new scenario, right? It's pretty exciting. And it's that facilitation of it. It's like, hey, what did you do last time you were, you know, in this situation, and kind of jogging their memory and reflecting and that sort of thing. And, and there's a lot of pride, I had my students write their own report cards, they wrote their own engagement and behavior and um, who they are as a thinker and learner. And they were really exciting to read. Normally, I do it third term at the end of the year when they've already you know read mine or something of what i said about them and then uh so I got my students to do it and I had kids at the beginning of the year they were hiding their work they were like no way no one's gonna see my work I probably got it wrong you know I don't know anything um you know at the beginning of the year it's always tricky because you're trying to get them to you know um you're trying to find out about them we're trying to get to know each other we're trying to uh you know, this, we're going to, you know, show how many gifts you have, right? How many gifts they have. And, uh, so they finally, they finally got to write and they, they said, I, you know, I think I'm a pretty good, pretty good at math, but I've learned that, you know, I can be even better at math mm-hmm. by, you know, I can show, uh, you know, I, there's so many different ways to show it or, you know, this particular kind of math has really helped me. Uh, and I think I'm just going to do better and that sort of thing. And so I would say about 80% of my students refer to something related that we did to, in math and were really excited about it and saying, you know, you know, I, I wasn't really that confident in math, but I see myself growing.
0: Mm. And I, I love that about the thinking classroom, that it really does invite reflection and invites opportunities to
1: grow their math identities in a really positive way you know what i am so pleased what's been going on you know not i think if i didn't have the tools that i have from btc i think that it it would have a very different looking situation um last year last year i had you know wonderful group of students and everything like that but I think having BTC really was such an important feature of uh, our classroom community it was what really helped create that reason to come together and by the end of the year like I you know when the kids said you know I like this person I like this person. I'd like to be this class with this person. Oh, I like everybody. I can get along with everybody. I feel comfortable with anybody because we were changing desks all the time. We were, cha- you know, uh, to be with different groups of people, you know, in gym, we randomized. in every little task we did. We randomize, randomize. We, when we worked in inquiry groups, they chose where they got to go. So they had, had choice. Um, and so I think, um, if I didn't have BTC, I think it would have looked really different. It would have been trying to fit, you know, a round as a round peg into a square hole or vice versa. Mm-hmm. it It just really allowed the students to shine even if they didn't feel that they were going to be the most comfortable, like parents might say, well, oh my gosh, my child's really shy and they need to be only with this person, sit beside them the whole year. And you're like, well, that's not going to happen in my class. They're going to move around and they're going to be sitting with all sorts of people and sit in different parts of the room. And, and they're going to be, you know, working with all sorts of people and different tasks for a short time and long time. And, and they're going to get to be friends with many people. And at the end of the year, it's a magical thing. Mm -hmm. It is magical. It is magical when you build a community that way. And, uh, I don't think it's really talked to talked about too much, but I think, I think it really BTC is a community builder. I think that's what's magical because it builds a community of a really diverse group of people comes from various, you know, all our families are different, different cultural backgrounds, different language backgrounds. Um, different learning backgrounds, different knowledge backgrounds, all coming together for a common purpose and uh, seeing themselves together as capable um, thinkers, right? Mm -hmm. That's pretty exciting.
0: Well, maybe let's talk about that kind of thing for a few minutes. My first year of BTC looked a lot different than my second year which looks a little bit different than this year because of my diverse learners. And so my first year was pretty pretty magical, pretty easy. Even though I was new at it, I just felt like that my clientele, they were able to function pretty well as a community already. So the Thinking Classroom just fit what we were doing and I was like, yes, all in. This is awesome. And then year two came along and I had a different group. And it it wasn't always magical, as magical yeah. as I wanted it to be because of just their their needs. And so I had to make some changes and I had to be okay with the fact that it didn't feel quite the same and that their growth looked a little bit different and that I had to be okay with all of the ups and all of the downs because I was looking at the upper trend. And and then this year comes along and again, another group of learners, but it's we're back to more of the magic and less of the, the struggle. So, if I had started BTC my second year, my with my group from last year, yeah. I oh, I don't know what I would be thinking about, you know, trying this again. It's like I I want to remind people that, like you're saying, every group is different, and just because one group struggles maybe a little bit more with with the thinking classroom doesn't mean that that's the way it always is and we have to modify and adjust and I know that you're kind of in a similar situation where you're modifying adjusting based on your new group anything you want to say about that
1: yeah that's true I think that's well um I think in the first year that I did it along with you we were kind of probably at the same exact same time period i you know i tried it like october 31st halloween of 2021 and you know did a one-off <laughs> at the end of the school day like what was i thinking it was great it was exciting yeah. and then uh i had all this project-based learning stuff that had to be done in january so math just got you know let's get our projects done um and then eventually i think in february i started kind of dipping my toe back into um building thinking classrooms and and going, okay, how do I actually really get going on it? Mm-hmm. And because I had the group of learners already halfway through the year, you know, I knew who they were as a community, a nice little community. Let's try this out. You know, yeah, I had wandering kids, I had kids who, you know, might be sitting on the floor while their partners are like, working really hard, like, you know, grade three, four, and And uh, or kids who were, who were, you know, weren't engaging in the math, right? Yeah. And then after a little bit, they got better. We do we're doing the reflective sheets, you know, how were you working as a collaborative team member and that sort of thing. And, and by the end of the year, you could tell that they were, they got they improved and they were reflecting on their learning for sure. Okay. So the first year was more like a half year and it's a lot of experimentation and everything like that which is was pretty exciting um but you know it was i there wasn't a lot of um planning involved with it it was like let's try this and yeah. good luck to me i, I any I'm the same any idea that came across twitter or something like that that sounds good yes. <laughs> or a podcast i mean yeah. be like applying it that day and every I, podcast be- i think that's a, I think
0: that's okay too. Like when when we're first experimenting, I think we just grab and grab and grab and, and still like trying to get comfortable with all the practices. Uh, it wasn't until my second year that I really started to like be more intentional about which tasks I was picking because of the goals that I had. I, I felt like I gave myself a lot of grace that first half year to dip my toes into the BTC world and
1: just get used to it. So I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was like, Oh, no, no. I was just thinking about my second year. So the whole summer i spent all this reading all those books and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and math and, you know, five, the five practices and so on. Yeah, and, and, and lots of, lots of study groups and, and podcasts and connecting with people and thinking, Oh, how's September going to roll? And I was really surprised to kind of look back at how I started BTC right away in September. But I was had like 12 out of 28 kids or whatever who had done BTC before. Okay. And so it was easy. They, they knew what kind of teacher, you know, I had I was or they heard what kind of teacher I am. And so when they came in, it was like, this is what we do. This is how we do it. So I've changed school districts and the demographic is different than what I'm used to from my previous school district. And of course I have older students and they um, have come from a background of probably having less opportunity for inquiry and for hands-on learning.
0: Okay.
1: So most of the time they've been, uh, how they find out how they've been assessed is mainly through tests. Yeah. And, um Basically, it's, yeah, they're just being assessed all the time through um, getting marked, you know, whether or not they've uh, passed or failed on something. And and so, basically, their identity has been formed by how the teacher has viewed their performance, okay. right? So, it's, uh, so at the beginning of the school year, it was all, like, not really wanting to share their thinking, um, showing their work, collaborating was you know, oh, I don't want to work with that person because I'm afraid to show what I think. Yeah. Um, now, now they're seeing, they've worked together on big projects, like hands-on projects. Um, in gym, they have to all work together, always trying to find a way where it's not the most skilled against the weaker <laughs> or girls against boys. It's that never happens. My class, everybody has to help each other. How can we make each other better? And so they come from identity of what well, we just want to be the other team. We're going to take them down or, you know, I, I'm going to do this just by myself. I'm going to work independently. And now they're, no, we'll work together because we're smarter together. Mm-hmm. So there has been a transformation of seeing that we work together and it's it's not cheating if we look at other people's work. We actually gain ideas and we can improve our own work and others' work by sharing our thinking together. And so because I asked them reflective questions and sometimes it's orally, I ask them, I say, you know, what did you learn from this project about yourself, others, and what would you do next time, for example? And, you know, one student said, well, I learned that we were a really creative bunch we're absolutely creative bunch or I've learned that, you know, it's not cheating by when you're looking at somebody else's idea. I used to have this idea of what cheating is and it's not cheating. It's just that we're building off of each other's ideas and we're improving things and we can help each other out. We can rely on each other. So yeah, it's been pretty exciting. So have I gone very far when it comes to, you know, ideal math building thinking classrooms? Um. No. I think that it's... You have to adapt. You have to adapt. And I think the most important thing is the learner identity. Because once you build community and you, you have the learner identity, then you can do so much more. Yeah. And it was about two weeks before the, two weeks before the end of the school year. And the kids are like, so when are we going to do our presentations? And we hadn't even started anything related to a presentation. And I'm like, okay, it's two weeks before Christmas uh, break, and they're wanting to build a presentation, do presentations on, you know, natural resources. And I was like, okay, (laughs) you can't really say no to that if they want to, you know, they want to create something, they want to work together, they want to, you know, that's, that's great. That's taking ownership of their own learning. And that's a gift. That is a gift right there. And that's joyful right there for me as a teacher. Right. And now, you know, when I start, you know, January 8th, we can build off of that of their excitement to believing who they are as a learner and who they are as a community. Right. right. And, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a good thing.
0: Well, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but one one last thing if you have time, because I know it's it's your husband's birthday, so you probably want to go have some, you know. Oh no, we already did that. So don't worry okay. about that. Okay. Well, uh, I know at a recent book club meeting with Karina and Laura, we were talking about how in with my little people, they don't push back too much on this thinking thing and push back on problem solving because they've only been in the system one year before I get them. I mean, they do have some idea of what math could look like based on their nine months in kindergarten, but they're not institutionalized. They haven't been doing this for five or six years. So they're pretty much, hey, we'll we'll do it. We'll try. And I might have a few kids who struggle a little bit, but for the majority of them, it's like, no big deal. For you, you don't, you get them after they've been in the system for four or five years where they have been accustomed to math looks like this and math looks like this. And and so how do you help them get over that hurdle of this is what math looks like in their brains and you're saying, yeah, but we're going to start thinking, <laughs> you know, and that, that pushback. You know, how do you, how do you get over How did I deal with it? How How have I dealt with it? How do you help them get over that hurdle of being able to just be willing to struggle, be willing to problem solve and think even when that's maybe not been their history in math?
1: Yeah, so one of my, my math heroes is Pam Harris. And I think she's done a lot to be able to, you know, with the building thinking classrooms, you know, Peter has, you know, given us the way we, the practices to do it. And now there's different, you know, math superstars, I call them, uh, and have given us all these different ways of how to actually make those a reality. And so I think, when it comes down to um, breaking down the math, to that everybody thinks in a different way. James Tatton too. He's like one of these people. It's just like, you know, if the if the number is prickly, just change it, you know, or something. It's just like it gives you the permission to change the math. That you can use the math that you know using them. So I think it's just more of like hearing all these different wise words from all these different math people and i implement it so specifically like kathy Fosno and and pam harris saying you know like use the math that you know Mm -hmm. start there and then you're sharing your the ideas and you're kind of coming as a community like oh how are you thinking of that oh it's oh really is that how you were solving it and getting them to talk about it right is the explicit communication of like, how did you go about solving that? Wow, that's such an interesting way of thinking about it, right? And then um, it's like, okay, go and you try another problem and then you like, you're talking about it again. And, and you know, it's it's like, oh, how did you use that strategy? Well, oh, you talked about you halved it, you doubled it. Wow, you know, that's so interesting. What made you think that or whatever? And, and so I think it's just comes down to that permission of using the math that you know, Yeah. and, and then they're more willing to take a risk. And then as you do it like daily or three times a week or whatever, um, and you're doing it different capacities, like different, different, um, tasks or whatever, they become more confident sharing their thinking. And, um, they kind of overcome the fact that there's only one way to do something because they've been told here is the way to do it. Yeah. Now you need to copy this 20 more times. (laughs) And then you need to do it on the test on Friday or whatever day of the week they get the test on. Oh, and you didn't copy the example. But when I'm doing like a problem string or something like that, I'm always assessing them because, They're facing me on the floor. Yeah, the grade five, six. And they're sitting on the floor crisscross. And they don't like it very much. But now they're getting used to it. (laughs) Because if they're in dust, they can hide, right? Yeah, You know, it's that whole Uh, being anonymous, anonymous, right? So I get them to the, I have lots of carpets. And I get them just, we move them around. Sometimes we're on the non-rug saying, sorry, the rug's not here because we're doing some sort of project. It's going to ruin them. But uh, they sit there. And uh, they show me their work. And then we I ask them to share out. But yeah, they get an opportunity to see that there's many, many strategies. So when I asked, you know, how, what do you think mathematicians, how many mathematicians use algorithms? And they were like, yeah, 10%, 20%, maybe five. And I'm going, wow, because the teachers thought like 90. <laughs> like, and they're like, really? Because we know that there's like so many ways to solve this yeah. one problem. Why would you like why would it be so high? And then and then like, okay, well I've done my job. Yeah. Like well, they know they know they have they have to come up with more than one way to, to think about a problem. So we're on our way. It's just a little bit of a you know, a meandering path sometimes. It's yes. not so direct, yeah. but we're gonna get there, I think.
0: Yes. And I hear you I hear you saying that like Math instruction isn't just the thinking classroom. Sometimes when new teachers to the thinking classroom start asking questions, one of them is like, is this all I do? Do you do anything else in math? And the answer is, yes, you do other things in math. We don't have to like get rid of everything we've been doing to make space for the thinking classroom. We just mesh them together and we add on that those thinking classroom practices to what we already know works. So we're still doing problem strings. We're still doing number talks. We're still doing all the things that you're talking about. Just the thinking classroom is just supporting already what we're doing. We don't have to like get rid of the, is it the baby with the bathwater? So how that yeah
1: Right?
0: You're still supporting in all these other different ways. So I hear you saying like, don't don't give away all the other stuff. Like keep doing that because they; those are important pivotal practices in the math class.
1: They support exactly where you want them to be um, in small moments. And all these small moments create their capacity to be able to um, to think. And that's in the end, that's exactly what we want them to do. We want them to be able to be confident in any kind of learning that they're doing like and if they are stuck they don't give up they go hmm do i need to start again or do i just need to think slightly differently to keep going you know do i need to talk to somebody right so depending on where they're at it's it's just really coming down to you know instead of the teacher being the one in charge of saying Oh, that's right. Good job. You got exactly, exactly. Oh, you get four points <laughs> because you <laughs> met my ex- expectations or you did exactly the way I drew it out. Perfect. <laughs> Great copier mimicker, right? My job is not to tell you everything. It, my job is to help you to learn and help you find those ways to learn. And, you know, otherwise I'm doing the learning. You're not. Right. And Yeah. And, and so, and then I go, well, this is not easy. And I said, if it was easy. I wouldn't give it to you. <laughs> like, why would I give you something that you could do already? Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like when Peter says problem solving is what you do and you don't know what to do. Yeah, And if we're not giving our kids opportunities to problem solve, then they're, they're going to be mimicking.
1: So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and they don't feel good. Um, I think, I don't think they really feel great. If they, if they can mimic, well, they feel great. If they can't mimic well, and then they, they get marked, they get marked poorly. They just, it destroys their identity, a learner identity. And so you are asking, you know, how is it, you know, you teach young children I teach older children, what happens? Right. And you know, year after year after year, depending on what opportunities they've had, their identity might just be, you know, really low. Yeah, you know, low or not at all. And, you know, if they don't feel good, they're not, not going to come to school. They're not going to try very hard. They're going to be misbehaving class. Yeah. They're, uh, they're not going to get along with other people. Um they're just going to go, I can't wait to get home. <laughs> and, you know, you can't please everyone, like, not to say that, you know, you know, BTC or the way I teach is, you know, is the inoculation of like, you know, all those problems by no means. Right. right? Because you still have to be, you know, every day it's like teaching's hard work. Teaching's hard work because even though we're not, directly imparting knowledge to them we still have to plan what they're potentially going to get out of it yes and what they potentially might learn from it so yeah you have to think who you know what's the range of understanding what's the range of knowledge which how are they going to behave when they're actually learning how do you want them to learn it Right. Is this a BTC moment or is there aspects of BTC that you could use? Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, those are the the decisions you have to make um, often. So
0: it's been fun to dive deep into your thinking classroom and your age level. I know that we have a lot of similarities between my little people and your older little people, but there, but there are some things that you have to consider that, that I don't. And I love the way that you're navigating your space and that you're helping these older kids maybe get over some hurdles and be able to really embrace a positive math identity. In fact, like I just wanna to come to Canada and sit in your classroom and experience the magic and messiness of your thinking classroom and all the other things that you're doing. So Sasha, I've really enjoyed just chatting with you and hearing all of your wisdom and um, your tidbits that I'm so glad everyone else gets to hear. So thanks for letting me do this with you tonight.
1: Well, thanks, Tammy. It was lots of fun doing this as with you as well and uh you're welcome anytime okay teach my class oh I'm gonna they they would
0: yeah they're probably taller than me and they would chew me up and spit me out but no I'm sure they're very yeah. but the older kids kind of scare me the little ones I can handle but I don't know about the the big ones but anyways thank you for that offer and maybe sometime in the next I don't know, year or so, we can find a way to actually like be in the same space at the same time. I would really like. I have a crystal
1: ball. <laughs> I have a crystal ball that October <laughs> 2024, <laughs> you're going to be in Canada. In Whistler, I hear? Yeah, it sounds like, With yeah. Caribbean. And and maybe there might be snow and a big mountain. Oh. No Murphy, though. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I, we'll see if that happens. That would be fun if it did. I would love That would be, I would look very much forward to seeing you in person and uh, giving you a big hug. Yes. And I have a lot of respect
0: for my Canadian friends. You guys amaze me. So I would love to h- come hang out with you guys for a while.
1: But then I might be able to see you if you're going to be in Arizona. Yes, I, I'm planning on it. So are you going to be there? I think I can make it happen because okay. I won't be working.
0: Okay. Let's see. I just
1: have to get ready for the heat. Yeah. It's gonna be
0: it'll be a little warm I hear. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So
0: uh that might but be another Peter, opportunity. Peter will be there so it'll be all worth it.
1: Yes, absolutely. That right. will be totally a hundred percent Okay. you know, worth going and for the heat or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um yeah, it'll be so exciting to see you and Everybody else yeah. going to those fabulous workshops that Arizona is organizing. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been yeah. really lots of fun. And thank you for spending part of your husband's
0: birthday with me.
1: <laughs> All right. Thanks. Yes. Okay.
0: Thanks so much. All right. Road trip to Canada. It is. Anyone want to join me? There's a room in my car. I really love so much about my conversation with Sasha. I love how she talked about the messiness and what that means to her and how she's building this community of learners, partially simply by putting the kids in the driver's seat. I know if I sat in her classroom that I would be writing copious notes and in awe. (laughs) So I would just totally, seriously love to go hang out with her. Now, don't tell Sasha this, but if you keep listening to the very, very end of this podcast episode, I've snuck in my favorite outtake from our conversation. This is what our conversation would sound like if it were only like three seconds long. So I hope you stick around and listen. In the meantime, in the famous words of Peter Lilyadall no one ever died doing thinking classrooms. Just try it.
1: BTC is wonderful and everybody should do it. That's it. Go. We're done. That's
0: all we have to say. (laughs) 30 seconds.